Hey guys, if you are struggling to stay focused, I get it. With everything that's going on in the world right now, it feels a little bit like Groundhog's Day. The kids are always here, and so there is no difference between Monday and Saturday. And it's one of those reasons that I want to make sure that you guys know about our Start Today brand. Start Today began with my Start Today journal. Several years ago, I came up with this product for myself that would help me to practice gratitude and to make sure that my goals were crystal clear in my mind as part of my morning routine. At the beginning of this year, I launched my Priority Planner, which was a way for you to take the biggest goal in your life and break it down into bite-sized pieces so that you could actually start to make traction. So if you have not checked them out yet, oh my gosh, go to starttoday.com and check out our newest line available in Target stores all over the US and of course at target.com. If you know that right now you need to stay on task, you need to stay on target, please check out these products. I think that you will love them as much as I do. Starttoday.com or target.com to start today the right way. Welcome to the Deus Podcast. My name is Rachel Hollis, and I've built a multi-million dollar media company with a high school diploma and a Google search bar. Each week, we'll share direct, tangible advice or inspiring interviews with the same intention. These are the tools to change your life. To celebrate hitting the New York Times bestsellers list, I'm giving all of my Deus listeners an extra chapter of the audiobook of Girl, Wash Your Face. My hope is that by sharing my honest stories about being a working mother, former foster parent, and a woman who has had all kinds of insecurities about my body and my relationship, it will spur other women to live with passion and hustle to awaken their goals. Enjoy this gift as a thank you for helping me reach my dream. I hope it inspires you to continue creating and striving for yours. Chapter 14. The Lie? I'm a Terrible Writer. After I published my first book, Party Girl, I would occasionally, read every 11 seconds, check Goodreads to see what people were saying about it. As a massive book nerd who devours online reviews in order to build my TBR pile, it felt so exciting to read other people's reviews of a book I had written. It was such an incredible boost for me, especially as I fought my way through writing the sequel, to see the lovely things readers were saying. I was driven to tears more than once by some sweet fan explaining exactly why she loved my characters, all as I'm thinking, yes, that is exactly what I hoped you'd see in her. I lived in this dream world for months. I honestly didn't even know any other reality existed. Then one day... It suddenly ended. I got my first bad review. It's hard to explain exactly how it felt to see someone giving my work two stars. But I liken it to being punched in the stomach, then the face, then the stomach again. I entered the early stages of what I like to call critique grief. 
The first is, obviously, denial. I read her review, and then I read it again. Turns out, no matter how many times I read it, she still thought my work was trite and ridiculous. Next up, in real-life grief stages, it would be anger. But for critique grief, at least for me, believing the bad stuff was so much easier than believing the good. Nah, no anger for me. I went right on to bargaining. The first idea in my people-pleasing brain was to comment and try to get her to understand my intentions with the work. Better yet, maybe I could find a way to befriend her. Because surely if we became social media acquaintances and then social media besties, then she would know me and therefore better understand my writing. Surely then she wouldn't have disliked it quite so much. I felt sick to my stomach as I slipped into the last stage of critique grief. Acceptance. I decided if this unknown woman was right, maybe everyone else was too easy on my book because it was a debut novel. Maybe this one person was a better judge and I was, in fact, a terrible writer. I was spiraling. In the midst of it, I heard that little voice in my head that helps me out in times of crazy— No, not God, or Jiminy Cricket, or even my inner self. The voice in my head is my therapist, Denise. God bless her. Years ago, Denise told a younger, much more anxiety-ridden me, someone else's opinion of you is none of your business. Let me say that again for the people in the cheap seats. Someone else's opinion of me is none of my business. Someone else's opinion of you is none of your business. Those words are so powerful for anyone who tends to hold other people's opinions ahead of their own. And they are never more profound than when we're creating something. Maybe it's a book, a blog, a company, a piece of art, or your fashion sense. When you're creating something from your heart, you do it because you can't not do it. You produce it because you believe your creation deserves to be out in the world. You work and work, and then you close your eyes and cross your fingers and hope it finds recognition. But here's the thing about that magical, mystical thing you're making. You create it because you have a God-given ability to do so. You create as a gift to yourself and to the higher power who blessed you with those abilities— but you can't make people like or understand it. You have to be willing to put it out there, even if they don't like it, even if they hate it, even if they give you two stars or none at all. You have to understand that every person on earth has an opinion, and their opinion, even if they're the most widely recognized expert on the subject, only has bearing on your work if you let it. A mean review cannot make me a bad writer. Can I write terribly? Oh, heck yes. The first, second, and third draft of everything I write is basically garbage. If I refuse to take constructive criticism from an editor I trust, if I don't push myself to grow as a writer, if I regurgitate the same story over and over, or worse, if I try to impersonate someone else's style, then yes, There is a good chance my work is going to suck. 
But deciding that something is bad simply because other people don't like or understand it is not a theory I can co-sign. Art and creativity are so subjective, and dang it, it's hard to find the courage and drive to complete anything. So sister, if you're going to work that hard on a project, do you really want to allow it to be blown apart by something as flimsy as an opinion? As an artist or creator, you have to decide. You have to choose a path or live the rest of your life slowly killing your ability to do great work for fear of what others will think. You have to decide that you care more about creating your magic and pushing it out into the world than you do about how it will be received. This task is much easier said than done. As I sit writing this chapter in my favorite local coffee shop, I've checked my other browser approximately 30 times. This morning, I posted an article on a website I've contributed to for years. But today, I decided to talk about something a tad bit controversial. At least, it's outside of the kind of post I'm typically known for. And so I'm wondering, will anyone get it? Will it find a home and an audience? Or worse yet, will it make anyone mad? Y'all, we are doing a community-wide challenge, and it's totally free, and I am challenging you to join us. It's called Next 90 Days, as in how can we be intentional, thoughtful leaders for the next 90 days? We're going to need our community. We're going to need accountability more than ever. So I want you to head over to theholliscode.com slash next 90. That's theholliscode.com slash N-E-X-T nine zero and join us. Every single week, Dave and I will be teaching on a different topic, things like perspective or reaching for joy or dealing with anxiety in these crazy times. We are going to give you so many free resources and surround you with community. When we did this at the end of last year, we had 650,000 people sign up and we feel like it can be bigger than ever. Come together in a community of like-minded people and let's learn how to choose our mindset no matter what is happening in the world around us. Even after years of putting myself out there, I still get caught up in the lie that I might be a terrible writer or that I should create or not based on whether I have an audience for it. I start to believe that I need public opinion to validate my desire to make something when the truth is I should embrace my creativity because it's a God-given ability. Anytime I try something new, I will have to fight off the desire to confirm that it will be loved in order to keep going. Since I anticipate being creative and trying new things for as long as I'm living— That could mean decades of occasionally being trapped by unhelpful anxieties. What a waste of energy. Would I rather bottle up my creative thoughts and ideas? No. I hope they find a home, even if they only resonate with a handful of people. So then I have to ask myself if I would be willing to risk a negative response if my work resonated positively with others. What if only one person gets it, but everyone else hates it? What if nobody loves it at all? Would it be worth it even then? Yes. My answer is yes, 
I would rather put my work out there no matter what the response will be. I would rather create in celebration of the fact that I have the ability to do so. For me, the answer is to create. That is always the answer. My personal form of creation is writing, especially writing words I hope other people will enjoy. So I have two choices. I can write down words and send them out into the world and hope they find a home. Or I can hide my light under a bushel because I'm too afraid someone won't like the glare. I choose this. I choose to sit in coffee shops and on airplanes and at my kitchen counter writing. I choose to squeeze in minutes between soccer practice or before sunrise or long after everyone else in the house is asleep to type and type and type until I stream enough sentences together to make a book. I have no idea if you'll love it or hate it. Obviously, I hope you dig the heck out of it and buy a hundred copies for all your friends. But even if you don't, I'll still be here. I started at this desk alone, without an audience to read my work. I'll stay here as long as I've got words jumbling around in my head, whether or not there's anyone to receive them. When I was a little girl, I spent every Sunday, and most other days, at the small First Assembly of God church where my daddy was the pastor. Our song service included Mama on the piano and a handful of tambourines sprinkled throughout the room. We were simultaneously off-key and in three-part harmony in a way only a small country church can pull off. As I got older, I experienced the sedate musicality of a large Presbyterian congregation, the joy of an inner-city gospel choir, and the theatrics of a megachurch. I've been to tiny prayer meetings in Ethiopia where I couldn't understand a single word but felt every one of them. I've spent hours upon hours of my life singing and clapping in church, and this is what I've come to discover. Writing, for me, is its own kind of worship. The definition of worship is the feeling of expression or reverence for a deity. Creating is the greatest expression of reverence I can think of because I recognize that the desire to make something is a gift from God. The freedom to carve out the time and have a safe place to create that art is a blessing of the highest level in a world where so many people are unable to have either. Every time I indulge in the art of creation without worrying about what the public will think of it, is craft in its purest form. And craft can be any old thing at all. For me, it's writing. For you, it might be painting, making quilts, or taking a Thursday night ballet class. Whether or not something is good or worthy is up for interpretation. And if you're unconcerned about other people's interpretation, then everything you make is fantastic. I hope you'll remember this in your own life, and I hope you'll create for yourself. Do it in celebration of your ability to do so, regardless of what anyone else thinks. Things that helped me. Number one, I stopped reading reviews. This is a big deal, you guys. I have no idea what you think of anything I've written since that bad review on Party Girl so many years ago. Maybe you'll love my books. Maybe you use them for kindling. 
Either way, it doesn't affect my desire to keep writing more. Everyone gets reviewed. Even if you're just asking for the opinion of your judgmental sister and being torn apart by her response, do something daring this year and stop reading your version of reviews. Number two, I write for myself. I write fiction about girls falling in love in Los Angeles. I write cookbooks about cheese-based dips. Now, here I am writing a nonfiction book about the struggles and triumphs in my life. This makes no earthly sense. Authors write in one or two genres, and they build up clout in a handful of areas. Here's the bottom line. Writing is my art, my creative outlet. It is literally my lifelong dream come true, and therefore, I hold it sacred. It never has been and never will be my job. I don't need it to make money to be valuable. This is an important distinction for me because I never want the creative choices I'm making to be based on money or business rather than whatever is on my heart and in my head. If you have it within your power to keep a piece of your creativity just for yourself, it is truly a gift. Number three, I indulge in silliness. I color with my boys, I draw on the ground with sidewalk chalk, I watch YouTube videos about how to do shimmery, smoky eyes, and try to replicate it even if I have nowhere to go. I reach for silly, creative endeavors that serve no real purpose other than joy. We will be back with another episode next week. In the meantime, if you have a moment and you can write a review or subscribe to the podcast, that is life to those of us who work so hard to produce every single episode. For more information, you can check out deuspodcast.com or stalk me on every form of social media. I am Miss Rachel Hollis on every single platform. Thanks to our producer, Allison Cohen, our sound engineer, Jack Noble, and our sound editor, Andrew Weller. Most importantly, I hope you heard something today that inspires you. I'll see you next week.